Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's uh, presented by our friends at Sullivan University. I'll let sullivan.edu. Jeremy Ashby and Sylvia Lovely. How y'all doing? Hey, Fantastic. it's been crazy. You know, we had a crazy last weekend. Yeah, so let's talk about that. We Obviously, yeah. we're a week and a day away from the wind event that happened last week. Uh, some people just got power back. You guys had lost well, power. I lost power for four hours on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then my kids moved in, and they didn't get it back till last night. Or I forget my days, but anyways, last weekend. But they were out without power now, for almost a you week. You were smarter than us. We had to go buy a flashlight. It was a good thing Kroger's even had some. Yeah. And then we didn't. We were just like foodless, and we didn't have propane like you said you did. We bought. This is good. I bought a roast chicken at mm-hmm. Kroger's. Okay, I said this is cool, and I bought a. You're gonna love this, Jeremy. And I bought a package of beans to you know, barbecue beans to make with the. Well, I go mm-hmm. home and I turn on my gas oven. It doesn't work without electricity. Oh no! I didn't <laughs> the, know that. The gas. Oven morning night or the stove? The stove. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there's a way around that. But is there? there? Yeah. I needed you. I know. And you were a little busy because <laughs> you had your own issues. <laughs> no kidding. But, yeah, it's pretty much a mess for everybody. You know, just power outages. Nobody knows what to do anymore, right? Yeah. Well, and to have come at such an odd, in an odd way, mm-hmm. windstorm. I so mean, me and my family me. are big campers. So we actually use it as an excuse. We didn't have power for at like two days. We had a party. We All of our friends brought their food over. I had propane. I have a campfire in my backyard, a big fire, a pit. fire pit. And Love we it. just cooked. We just, you know, cooked over cast iron, cooked over fire, made a big buffet for everybody. And we, we you know, fed a lot of people. It was a lot of fun. I love it. And then, you know. Luckily, within 48 hours, it came back on Mm -hmm. because, you know, for a day or two, it's fun. For a week, it's not. Yeah, once you're dipping down into your cupboard and basement for all your preserves and pickles and such, then, you know. Speaking of (laughs) stuff like that, (laughs) artisanal foods. Artisanal foods. Let's talk about it. Well, you know, that and Kentucky Crafted coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's kind of the artisanal food show. You know, uh, I, I think that getting in you know we have this kentucky proud uh what is it designation you can get mm-hmm. yeah and, and and that's that's been a big question i've been getting from other chefs in the region including myself now that kind of you know covid's kind of changed the way a lot of restaurants do business i think people are looking to get products into consumer yeah, yeah. lines and kind of putting their name out there in mm-hmm. different ways than selling food out of restaurants um so honey and sauces and stuff like that would probably be the also i imagine you kind of want to buy as local as you can when we see national supply chain issues your your Mm -hmm. uh, your product stability is probably much more favorable if you're buying it from a mile down the road than you know california and people are like kind of wanting that now right there's some new here's some uh some stuff about artisanal foods one the name is growing artisanal and you'll see it now on even mass-produced stuff right because it sells food right it does because people are more health conscious and it's the nostalgia and i started that with i heard that like that term was first used when describing baking back 10 15 years ago artisanal bread Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but i mean the same thing you're talking about sylvia Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. how that evolved restaurants are getting into the act groceries are getting into the act and that's more about branding and stuff like that but like kroger's has a whole wall of local products they do and have you seen more and more of the corporate brands entering the the Mm -hmm. supermarket you know Mm -hmm. arby's curly fries and white castle sliders like they're taking their main products and putting them in grocery stores i mean and it's important because americans are getting more health conscious and nostalgia conscious yeah no doubt back you know if you think something is handmade 
right. it has a mistake. Well, I'm glad we're kind of getting some sense about us in this country. I think we're behind the rest of the world, you know, in but terms of shopping in supermarkets. You were talking about some numbers where people are actually reading 80, labels. 87% are somewhat interested. Yeah. And 56% are dead serious about labels. That's well, pretty no, cool. What are you looking at? When you're looking when you look at, at labels, are you looking at the ingredients? Are you looking at where it's made? Are you looking at for names you don't recognize? What what are you kind of things you're looking for? I think they're look they're health conscious. Mm-hmm. I do that. I now read labels and I never used to, but I'm looking for salt. I'm yeah. looking for sugar. Yeah. And and I'm inclined to go with things that are I, I and some things I'll even buy organic, even though it's much more expensive. So I find it with things like tomato sauce. You, if you want to buy a tomato sauce that's just tomatoes without sugar, a it's hard to find, and it b is. you're, you're going to pay a lot more because you have to go but into the upper to, tier brands. Uh-huh. And what was a dollar a jar is now seven or eight dollars a jar. At that point, make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Make, make it yourself. It's just going to it's going to be better. From Joyce and Charlie. Yeah, Joyce, you know, like Friends Drift In, they, they've got the, the canning, pickling, preserving, selling thing figured out, you know, who we're going to be talking to. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, guys. You can, you can make some of the things yourself. I, I, I want to talk through one recipe for you. It's one I've used at Azor for um, 17 years, guys. I mean, honestly, I've been trying to get rid of this recipe, but every time... <laughs> I go to take pimento cheese fritters off the menu. We have serious problems. I and I'm not you. Right? See, there we go. You're and talking I, about the peach chutney. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them. Like, I love them. But every now and then you're like, man, we could offer something different. No. They're like, They're no. They're so good. Um, They're the best. The, 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 the beer cheese fritters with the peach chutney is uh, one of the best killer. food combos I've ever had. It's crazy good. It's really good. So, you know, we talk about jams, jellies, chutneys, etc. Chutney is going to be... I, I consider it like, um, a, a, I guess, a jam mm-hmm. or a preserve, mm-hmm. but the addition of acid or, or vinegar. So that's kind of the key difference I think you're going to find between a jam, jelly, preserve. You had a question about yeah, that. Yeah, so I know, I, I know, so there's jams, jellies, preserves, chutneys, and yeah. marmalades. Right. I know a marmalade contains the rind or the skin of the fruit. And that's that's what designates a marmalade from oh, like really? a jelly yeah, yeah, or a yeah. jam. But so what are the differences of the? Yeah, others? what's the difference in the other ones? Well, the 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 jam and preserve are are very very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about kind of whole pieces and yeah. chunked f- fruit. Chunked seeds. There's even and, seeds. And right? seeds are going to be um, you know ones. in your preserves, right? So I think maybe jam would be, I don't know, um, not not really seeds. I mean, some some jams contain seeds like raspberry. But, you know, one, one thing, the jelly is just going to be thickened cooked fruit juice and sugar. So that's a jam. There's and not gonna jellies be any, have pectin, which holds the shape of the jar, right? They do, but a lot of times fruit's going to take uh, contain natural pectin. Okay. So after you cook it with sugar, you pectin? get your... It's just a gelling agent. Help! It can, it happens oh, naturally. Natural. Oh. Like it's it's in the ingredient. It's in fruit. It's in oh. all, it's certain vegetables. And what happens is the pectin... Once things get cold, it makes it gel, like like gelatin does. Mm-hmm. So the best so. way to describe it, it's like the pe- it's like the vegetable version of collagen in meat. Like if you ever oh, made a chicken stock sure. and it it turns solid, it's like that, but with vegetables. Yeah, okay. kind of. So you know, there's you know, jelly being just the 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 juice, you know, very 
thin and wobbly and then jam being something usually crushed with sugar and a little Mm. acid you know but the chutneys are going to be sometimes savory sometimes sweet and the one i'm going to give you today is the bourbon peach chutney we do um guys we're going to take about three cups of peeled fresh or frozen peaches Mm -hmm. um if you want to save yourself some time get the the frozen iqf slices (coughs) of peaches uh you're going to take about a half of a yellow onion and julienne that you're going to take um, about two tablespoons of fresh ginger and have that chopped. You're going to need a diced red pepper, and you're going to need brown and white sugar and just a little bit of cider vinegar. I like cider vinegar. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then, at the end, a half a cup of bourbon. So ah. what happens here is we're going to place all the ingredients. You don't have to do anything, but uh, let's say we talked about three cups of peaches. Let's go with, I don't know, three-fourths, no, a, f- a quarter cup of each sugar okay. like brown sugar and white sugar along with that three cups that's so going to give you the ratio but it's not overly sweet right you you're not it's not equal parts sugar and fruit right yeah, so that apple uh, cider will bring yeah. it down <laughs> right right and we'll add just a couple tablespoons of that apple cider vinegar and then slowly put on the pot first you're going to sweat it which means kind of low temperature where your crowd your pan is overcrowded it's full of stuff and you'll see a little steam kind of mm-hmm. rise up in your pan and then the things kind of slowly cook down but it never pulls any color from the bottom of the pan as it's not hot enough to make it you know brown so you basically are going to just cook this into a a syrup it's going to make 20 25 30 minutes i like to keep this one kind of loose because of the natural pectin when it cools down but also uh, this kind of chutney is meant to be syrupy because it sauces a lot of meat but you you know if you if you cook it down too much those big chunks of of peach or whatever you want you know your ingredient is is all you get but if you have a lot of the liquid too you that syrup kind of coats the plate you get a chunk of peach and then you can kind of roll you know something in your syrup so it gives you a little bit of a a sauciness so anyway that's going to keep two to three weeks in the fridge um and i'm going to go over it again frozen peaches yellow onion ginger red pepper brown and white sugar and cider vinegar and then you told the portions a minute ago but um what can you put it on I like this on everything. For instance, it's on the bourbon, I'm sorry, the pimento cheese fritters at Azor. Mm. We put it on our uh, blackened salmon sandwich, which that's a killer combination, guys. If you want just to knock somebody out with dinner, a quick one, one, you can make this ahead of time Mm. and last two to three weeks. But make this peach chutney, pan sear, grill some salmon. Pour this on it, then crumble some goat cheese on it. Knock you out. It's great. So I've had it during the pandemic. I bought a couple of the uh, the meals, you, the family meals, yeah. and I got some of the pizza chutney. It's great. The next day on a biscuit for like a oh, like a more of a, a more of like an adult biscuit, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Because it's it's not like this. It's not like uh, the jelly yeah. by the grocery store. It's it's a more it's it's definitely Extra more complex. Taste, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's really good for like a midnight biscuit sandwich. Yeah, and let me it's ask really you. Uh, What we hear is, and and you have some of these kinds of things, like tomato jam, bacon tomato jam. And that used to not be, when I was growing up, you just had sugary jams and jellies. Fruit Well, you probably didn't have much of anything but jelly. But. How do you, tell me about that? I mean, you know, like you can have jalapenos now. You can have it's that sweet and sour yeah, combo. Sweet and savory is a you know a big deal, and I think that you know as the United States has matured in its culinary you know mm-hmm. knowledge, um, 
you know, these things have been around in, in you know, India and, and Britain forever. These kind of combinations of sweet and spice and salty and savory and sweet and savory in these jams and chutneys. And so, uh-huh. so it's really, it's, you know, really prominent now. I think that happened with the kind of turn of fusion cuisine through the 90s. But it's not common. I, I love that when you we take... You know, if you want, add add a whole jalapeno to this recipe I just gave you, and you'll have like a sweet and spicy jam. Oh, I like that. Yummy. Right? There's nothing like wrong with that. Do that with any of these things. I just, you, the sweet and savory works when you're dealing with your entree, you know, or appetizer. I wouldn't go and put like a, a bourbon tomato jam on a piece of cake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, they it, have their place. Right, it's they don't. Each thing has its. Right, they don't maybe need to go on your dessert course, but they can accentuate your savory courses yeah, with sweet without making well, a dessert line. You go back to like lamb and mint jelly. Right, is it yeah, old kind? Mint jelly isn't really sweet. In fact, I don't know what else you do with mint jelly other than put it on lamb. I don't think I've ever had it any other way. Um. That's about really it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about it. But it's, it's more of like a... patented. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Lamb. It just is what it is. Yeah. Someone, you know, 300 years ago decided that lamb went with mint and jelly and that was it. And yeah. it does. Yeah. It yeah. does. And it's it goes... It's unwritten rule. You know, <laughs> right. spring lamb, spring mint, it all, it all flows and goes together. It really, it's a magical combination. Um, but it's not the only combination out there, right. which is really what we had until probably 1985. Yeah. Just lamb and mint jelly. That's all that was you it. got. That's all but you now did. you can, right. like, you yeah. put a, a like a spicy pepper jelly on a fish. Oh my gosh! It'd yeah. be great. Uh, you know, you can do that. You put it on your uh, your salmon sandwiches. We we're going to talk to uh, Joyce and Charlie Pinson uh, coming up in a little bit. They are with uh, Friends Drift In. They're going to be at the Kentucky Crafted Market that's going on this weekend at the Horse Park. But they make a whole line of yeah, really savory jellies. Yeah. yeah, jellies. Are when it comes to to what we're talking about, canning, preserving, pickling, artisanal craft products, they've got this figured out. You they know, they do. did it from the ground up. It's going to be a good yeah. good listen here. Yeah, yeah, and they're good. Ag- they're such advocates for Appalachia and yes. selling product out of Appalachia. Good, positive people, all about Kentucky, all about chefs, restaurants, farmers, everybody. Um, just our kind of food people. And they make delicious stuff, and that's the most important thing. They make delicious stuff. Yeah. That's right. You know, they they, make delicious stuff. if you've never had French drift in, we've had some of the. I've had the strawberry jalapeno. I've had some of the. Uh, they, they have a lot of flavor. They have a lot of products. Yellow squash jam is one of my favorites. Very interesting. So, so explain, because I've never had this. Explain, yellow squash jam, it, it's a savory jam, right? Or is it I sweet? mean, it's got sweet to it, but it's tart also, I believe, maybe with lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, if that I remember the, the flavor corrected. There could be ginger in there. I, I can't. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of... Kind of chunky and rustic, but mm-hmm. has a unique, very mm, refreshing, effervescent flavor, which mm-hmm. I think could use to accentuate a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, so, and bourbon is also uh, another thing people are infusing into these things, sure. right? Well, why not make it more Kentucky with bourbon, right? Now, right? Yeah. 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 So and what about, um, and we only got about a minute left, and we'll, we'll get to uh, uh, Friends Drift in here next segment, but what about, like, if you're new to like jam and jelly making like i've made jams and jellies but i don't can them i'm impressed canning canning is its no. own thing yeah canning. and you yeah. want to make sure you know what you're doing so i'll do like refrigerator jelly like you were saying with your chutney it's a refrigerator jelly you don't have to can it yeah. for preserving is that a, a good way to, for people to start is making something like at oh, home yeah sure you're not worried about you know selling it in time and temperature i wouldn't mess with all that you know yeah. if you're gonna you know make a huge batch is in 100 jars then right. you need to be learning how to 
how to how get to that do stuff it. preserved. Otherwise, you yeah. can just kind of have fun with it exactly. and play with it. Yeah, I mean, the recipe I gave you was for three cups of peaches. That's one little bag from the grocery store. That'll last you a week. If that doesn't la- last more than three days in your house, right. then I've done my job wrong. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good. <laughs> Hang on. We're going to talk to uh, the Friends Drift Inn, Joyce and Charlie, next. Don't go anywhere. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Hey, we're back. It's Food News and Choose Radio. And it's time to talk some jams, jellies, and canning in general. The Kentucky Crafted Market's going on this weekend, and you can check that out. We have the Pinsons here. Joyce and uh, Charlie have been on before. They're great people. We yeah. never get to see. I love having you on the show because that means we get to see you. It's been two years since we've I been here. I don't two like years. that. Two years? Well, I thought we did this crazy. last year. I thought so. Well, t- we, we didn't do food news and choose last year. We didn't? That's no. right. You did Jack Patty. We did Jack Patty. Yeah. Oh, we've got you this time. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, it's the time of year where, like, Kentucky Crafted yeah. comes to town, which is, you know, where we have a lot of artisanal yeah. people bring goods to, to yeah. Central Kentucky. Out at the horse at park, the horse right? Park. Yeah. And, you, um, you know, my, my favorites, I've got a few out there, but my top favorite's going to be Friends Drift In. You know, one, mm-hmm. I, I know the people that make it so that makes it even more delicious but you know the quality is there and and quite frankly we've we've watched Joyce and and Charlie go from you know an infantile stage to to growing produce to pickling to canning to running a farm out of the insurance business is pretty interesting stuff like these guys are are what we all want to be the ones that take the jump into a food career and, and, and and follow their passion so welcome back and tell us what I want to know. What was the first jam and jelly you produced? Probably blackberry because yeah. we have a lot of blackberries, and of course, uh, on the mine sites, on the strip sites, we have those. Uh, what are those husked berries that look like raspberries, Charlie? Oh, they're called a uh, wine berry. They're yeah, a wine berry. Well, what did what? you say on a on a mine? What you? Uh, when they reclaim the mine sites. When they reclaim the mine sites, they come in and they replant everything. Well, back in the 60s and 50s and even in the 70s when they did, they didn't worry about native species, so they brought in what it's called a wine berry. Okay. It's, it looks like a raspberry, and it tastes it, like a raspberry. And it you know, uh, When it gets ripe, the husk pulls back, and it turns into a red raspberry. They just have a lot more seeds than a uh, regular raspberry, though, hmm. so really it's hard to do anything with them other than using just the juice. Now, okay. that's pretty interesting. So, yeah. wine berry. Um, you know, now that we're on the topic, so, you know, you guys are down in Pikeville where there has been, you know, plenty of strip mining and reclaiming of, of that territory. What other things kind of came from that wine berry? I think that is a cool thing to talk about, uh, by the way. Autumn olive is our other one that we're very proud of. And the autumn, autumn olive. Um, it's a tree. It, again, was planted on the strip mines. Um, it's invasive. Most most people hate it, mm-hmm. but there's there's two things that are really great about autumn olives. The first is that it's one of the first things to bloom, so the bees get extra oh, you know sugar extra and pollen stuff. right mm-hmm. away, real early in the season. And secondly, it is really high in lycopene, which has a lot of health benefits. Wow! Now tell us about the. I think the strip mining thing, and I know you all are really actively promote Appalachia and actively promote products out of there is that a, i take it that's a successful thing that they've replanted Reclamation, you know it, it continues i mean we've got we've got a coal company over in martin county that's getting ready to do a major acreage with apples and wow uh, you know see that's uh, good thinking the mine sites once they're reclaimed are really good to run cattle people don't think of eastern kentucky as a cattle sure. producing area but 
were, were comers. And, I mean, they surprised Coming because on. they're in the hills and the hollers and yeah. nobody sees them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's, so she's awesome. right. Those, but those big uh, flat spots, if they leave them flat on top of those mountains, they sow that in, in, in grass and make nice pasture lands. I bet it is. Yeah. Fascinating. I think that's just cool well yeah and, and twitch looked up autumn olive i'm pretty familiar we you know we yeah. me and joyce and charlie have been talking about that for 10 years now but these you know these little bear they had th- there's a little seed to them which kind of makes things interesting so to speak they, right you can run them through a mill though you, you can, can they oh. do break mill, you know the biggest thing with with autumn olives is that because they have this high lycopene they separate and so th- we, we have a process that we do for them we're not producing them uh commercially but we do them at home uh, it separates, and what they call it at home is Halloween jelly because it looks like it's spun out of a centrifuge. It's kind of clear on the top, and then it kind of red-pink, oh, and then at the bottom it's red because the lycopene well, pulls to the what top. What is it, autumn olive? It's that called autumn olives. Uh, autumn olives. Autumn olives. Uh-huh. It's an Asian yeah. bush. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's you know, Asian. back when I was a kid, uh, there was some evergreen bushes that sprouted some red berries that kind of looked like those. They're only like the size of a BB, maybe a little bit bigger it, than a BB. Well, I was going to say, yeah. they look, it's one of those things in nature is why, why you got to be careful because they look like another berry i don't know if it's called laurel or but i know you're on the wintergreen definitely not when you're looking at them in person because of the way when light hits them it looks like king Midas touched them they've got flecks of gold oh wow they're beautiful they're more and this is is that why they're called autumn autumn olive i don't know just interesting so i got an idea for you whenever tomato season comes in you've got some preserved autumn olive why don't you guys make a high lycopene homemade ketchup you know something that hits because <laughs> that's what tomatoes it, have you know, in you it right could, you know it's got a, a sugary kind of tartness to it with you know you add sugar and vinegar to tomato ketchup it, just maybe do a big old lycopene it, it, but lycopene is what's in it, tomatoes the flavor is kind of reminiscent of uh, a cranberry right. uh, for the listeners. It's got that tartness and cleanness. Well, I'm going to work on that for you guys and send you the rest. <laughs> I love that. You know, I that's love a, that. a good question, though, because you were talking about making like, ketchup out of them. So uh, when you think of jams and jellies and, and things tomatoes. that are intimate, you think of things that are sweet, but they don't necessarily have to be. You can make we, savory versions, right? We, we are known for our savory um, jams and jellies, particularly we do a peach habanero, uh-huh. uh, strawberry jalapeno. And then yellow squash. Uh, red. You, ooh, I love red, that. Yeah, we do a red we pepper. Did, yeah. We do a yellow squash. And a, our big seller, and a, you know, one that we grow ourselves is a bourbon tomato. We grow a lot of bourbon those tomatoes ourselves. In tomato? The bourbon tomato jam it's uh, uh-huh. kind of a cross between a ketchup and and a barbecue sauce is the way i would look at it uh, and i know you've used it on steaks in the restaurant before yeah we buy it at the restaurant i've done anything from just topping simple little mm-hmm. fritters to it to just you know on a piece Sounds of salmon delicious. it's quite wonderful and it's got some chunk to yeah, it you know yeah. like some rustic kind of rough chop which which yeah. i like you know I, I you know a smooth jam is great but you know this has that preserved kind of feel yeah. to it which makes it more rustic tell and us more about, yeah tell us about the fair tell us about this artisan art uh, kentucky craft the kentucky crafted it will be um friday is to the trade and then saturday and sunday it's saturday 10 to 4 30 10 to 5 10 to 5 sunday 10 to 4 um, artisans from across the nation this is a juried event so this is not your flea market type of crafts uh, this is visual and textiles, paint, ceramics, jewelry, and a, and a Kentucky Proud section. 
furniture, woodworking, candles. And it's important to know that this, We some people may miss this because we air, now the podcast will be out. But what they need to know is this has been going on for a while, right? And, this this and has. We're just back, you know, last year was the first year they came back after the person. pandemic. Um, this year they've expanded back to what it was before in that they will be having elect- eclectic music all day long, um, both days, Saturday and Sunday. There will be some interactive art exhibits where um, adults can sit down and do some artwork as well as some children's spaces. Um, the admission is free. It's six dollars for parking, uh, but any admission that you would like to donate goes to Team Eastern Kentucky, the flood victims, which oh, is yeah. very, very near and dear to yeah. our heart. Because no as doubt. a a jam and jelly producer, we rent a kitchen. You know, for our commercial, we rent a kitchen at Wattsburg, Kentucky Cane Kitchen, and of course, um, Were they you know, from that? August, you know, after the floods until just a few weeks ago i mean they were feeding three meals a day so we could only get in like yeah. nine o'clock and work till midnight or one o'clock making our jam so we were out of we were wow. out of product for the last half of our oh, our heavens. festival season and um, that's one thing people don't realize and i'd love you to talk about that is you know you're a hobby farmer out there you're a grower producer you like what you're hearing what does it take to get something that you've grown into a jar legally there's two different classes. There is the commercial producer that can sell at the farmer's market, and they have to take classes through the extension office. Then there is the commercial producer that can sell anywhere across the nation. And that's FDA we are label, everything. At, yes. We have to be inspected by the FDA. We have to take several classes. We have to have, mm. uh, you know, all these safety requirements. Um, we have to be inspected even when we do a lot of festivals and i mean that a lot of times the local health department will come and inspect us as well as what we're inspected federally and mm-hmm. and statewide um, and then of course if you're growing at all and you're growing you know you have to have what used to be called gap but now they've called it best practices produce safety i think but it is another six or eight hour course that you have to take and i mean it tells you things like triple washing your vegetables um, if you have deer or something in your in your your growing area, you know if they if they leave something, mm-hmm. you have to mark that off in six or eight foot. I'd have to look go back and mm-hmm. see, but they you can't sell anything out of that area. Sure. You have to know what what, what row each thing comes yeah. out of. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of paperwork and. Mm-hmm. How it's you, not as glamorous as it used to be. How do, you, how do you sell your stuff? I know you're going to be doing it this. Do you sell here or is it just juried? Um, and then how do you sell? I mean, how can people, because it sounds like to me, it'd be better to buy your stuff than, at least that's me, okay? Well, you know, we, we really we really emphasize our stuff on taste and and it's more healthy than most. We use a lot less sugar than most people do. You can buy it. We have a website, friendsdriftin.com. Uh, we actually, if you're in the Pikeville area, we have a store at 128 Carolina Avenue. Uh, we're also in Lexington. We're in uh, several stores here oh, in Lexington. We, we're in uh, Sheffawita's at Zim's, uh, uh, and, Zim's and Wendy Corners. Wendy yeah. Corners. Uh, we're but, also in Peggy's Gifts downtown. Okay. Uh, we're in the Kentucky Boone, Proud. Yeah, yeah the Boone Creek Creamery over on Palumbo. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Yeah. 
So I'm amazed. I mean, this is uh, I mean, I, we've talked to you guys over the last couple of years, but this is kind of growing on the retail side, not necessarily just the uh, going to the we, show. We side. do retail, um, and we do we have a wholesale business, yeah. and we do um, what they call co-packing. You know, we yeah. do we do co-packing for Matt Jamie down at Bourbon Barrel Foods. What does that mean? Um, it means co-packing. that we do we his product. We package some of his products. Oh, we, so we, we do his jams and jellies, and he he co-brands on. it. He gives us credit on it, and uh, we've done some uh, co-branding for Oida. We've done some apple butter for Oida. And there's and there's like uh, and that's kind of a, a niche market as well because there are people who will you know I've seen things like bottle your own hot sauce, and so if you mm. think you have a great hot sauce recipe but you don't have a commercial kitchen right. available, then you better rethink it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there's companies that will do it for you you kind of give them the recipe and they if you trust them to you know if you you know because it it, it is a competitive market and i mean you know we are all very where we're friends yeah. But we don't but, share recipes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and tricky. it's a growing industry, right? I mean, it is. Tell us it about. Is. And I mean, we are. We consider ourselves. Well, we have jams now. We consider ourselves specialty foods. We we've got a we've got several cocktails, syrups in development, and some other products that we're not ready to talk about yet. But they're in but, the they're in the state hopper. You know. Yeah. So that's a good question because in this day and age, we think of everything as out there. Everyone knows everything, open source. Everything. But like you were saying. You do have very secret. We were even talking like temperatures and pectins, and you have very tight trade secrets that are just applied to your jellies. We don't care to talk about the temperatures and all that because that is that's yes. just state regulations, that's what they do. Yeah. you know. But you know, certain things that we put in our jams, yeah. we found that nobody else knows about, so we keep that to ourselves. You know, and that's you should because yeah. whenever yeah. you go to production and bottling, and I've worked with some of these producers, you can send them a recipe. And they're going to send back three or four samples, you know, and then you're going to find the one that's kind of closest to, you mm-hmm. know, your recipe. But something's always lost, guys. And then when you get into packaging and mass production, additives start getting involved. And right. I don't know if that's right. cost cutting, but, you know, those little trade secrets, if you can keep it all natural cane sugar, if you can keep things gelled with natural pectin and not go into xanthan gum and stabilizers. Which and is suspenders. in all the products you get, uh, that right. are commercialized and, and they mass taste produced. Like, it. like literally, yeah, whenever like I can dressings. see and smell xanth, not smell, but taste xanthan gum from ten miles really? away, it just I could eat by the look of and the. And it's product. in everything. Well, it just makes it snot. Except, <laughs> well, except no. your stuff. It's not in your stuff. When you we our pride ourselves when you taste, especially one of our fruit jams or jellies, mm-hmm. you will taste the fruit will be the first thing you taste. Oh, that it's sounds not, so good. Not it the is. sugar. It's the first ingredient. It's not yeah. sugar. Fruit yeah. is our first ingredient. Now, when we get into a pepper jams and jellies, is a little bit different because of the pHs. We yeah. have to have more sugar in that. But on our fruit jams, it's always the fruit first. Mm-hmm. Wow, well. that's a secret. If you want to know what's in it, in how, what's the most in a product, any product, they all your ingredients are listed by amount the that's most right. to the least. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I do find that most commercial things are way too sweet for me. Me too. I, I, I found I, that too. Yeah, I find it. I, people kind of default to sugar when they don't know what. But all if you really savor food, right? Um, and you know, chef, I used to be able to eat ordinary food. Now I can't eat anything but yours. And so I'm sure the. <laughs> and I mean, seriously, I mean, yeah. I, it's it's hard. No, you're right, and you, you know, know the difference. And I, I know where producers get in that battle. I see it, and you know, they're chasing a bottom line, they're chasing a margin, and you know, cane sugar is expensive. 
Um, and more it's hard to get. Yeah, Is there's it? a lot more than, you know, yeah, high fructose corn chain. syrup and things like that, which yeah. just make it a lot cheaper. Sugar beet, yeah, exactly. What there's about supply chain? Um, and you grow most of your stuff, right? We we grow a, a portion of it. We try to use as much Kentucky Proud products. So we use the uh, Kentucky Blueberry Association for our blueberries. Mm-hmm. And, and we have several farmers that we work with because we can't do it all. I mean, we're we're just two people and, and a 21-year-old college student and an 85-year-old mama (laughs) (laughs) everybody needs one yeah and you know that there's nothing wrong with that guys doing uh, you know a crafted product is still kentucky proud in kentucky you can bring in you know product from other places the whole point is that you're doing and cooking here in kentucky and doing a product that you know primarily Mm -hmm. stems from our region so did you say you were getting into syrups and things Mm -hmm. like that we've we've, we've already got one we've got a one cocktail we got one cocktail syrup already developed and we may be doing some fruit syrups down the down the road as well and that's on the market and we've We've got got several other products in development that's part of the competition is constantly having new products on the shelves exactly so i did want to share one thing out there that I've, i've i've learned about increasing sugar content without the sugar maybe you guys don't know this one yet and it saves a lot of money Okay, so anyway, it's basically a, it's a sous vide process, right? But one thing that I've seen done is they'll take any kind of fruit scraps, as in the cores and whatever, the leaves, uh, sh- the stems and shells. Let's just take a pineapple, for example. So all the, all the outside of the pineapple, which you cut off, and the core, you can place in a sous vide bag with no water and seal it, and then you can sous vide it for about 36 hours, and what happens is you pull out the water and then the natural sugars start to intensify. Sure. So you basically pulled a Hybrix sugar water out of trash that tastes really? like pineapple. Um, wow. So anyway, that's one, one technique I've picked over the past couple of years. If you guys have a low harvest or anything like that or just want to go more all natural, you can start with your fruit sous-viding it for quite, can, a, quite a while or the scraps of it and then still can, pull sugar Can you sugar explain out. sous-vide? For those of us like me who might not know what that is. Yeah, you're basically uh, vacuum sealing your uh, pr- food product and then cooking it and in a water bath at a yeah. set temperature for a long period of time. Um, in this case, it's kind of a high temperature, but high temperatures at sous vide is 175, 180 degrees. So, you know, but anyway, that's kind of a cool one out there for yeah. all the food geeks. Well, we got to take a, also uh, your cocktail syrups. That's uh-huh. kind of where it came from. That yeah. spark is that's how a lot of producers are making those. Is you know the lemon, lime, and orange scraps and things like that. They're making uh, fruit syrups from that. Man. Well, check out uh, Friends Drift In at the Kentucky Crafted Market. It's going on this weekend. It's going on the rest of today and tomorrow. Joyce and Charlie, thank you guys so much for coming in. We appreciate you all. All right, we'll Love see you in a minute. It's Food News and Shoes Radio. <laughs>